So sorry, it's been a long time. This is Mike from the Alone in the Dark podcast, and I'm joined again with Rochelle. Hello. <laughs> What's happening, Rochelle? How are you? Pretty good. Just hanging out. Nice. Um, doing nothing. <laughs> <laughs> so what's been new? I know you just moved uh, to, um, to Toronto, right? Yeah. Um, I've been pretty much working nonstop. I, like, I had seven-day weeks for about a month, which was pretty rough, yeah. <laughs> but I'm trying to take a little bit more time off now to work on my writing and um, keep up on my reviews and stuff like that, but yeah, it's good. It's I'm happy to be in the city. That's great. Yeah, it must be a nice change, you know what I mean? I think you were kind of like in a suburb kind of thing, right, when you were living? Yeah, super small town, and it was like the place where I grew up, too, so it was about time to move. <laughs> yeah, there you go. So it's time to, to get out, you know, which is good. So that's awesome. Very nice. Thank you. Um, so what else have you been doing? Like, what have you been doing work-wise and stuff? Um, just kind of slinging coffee. <laughs> nice. But uh, I've been interning for room work, which has been a lot of fun. That's awesome. Um, I'm actually going to have, like, a tiny book review in the April issue, I think, which I'm really, really excited about because I've just, I wanted to be published by them for a long time. So, um, I'll take anything. (laughs) That's awesome. Anything is a good start. (laughs) What's, uh, what's the book review? Um, it's this book called It Waits Below. Okay. It's this, uh, it's some book about like an alien that like crashes into water and it's, it's not bad. It's kind of, it's a little teenagery for me, but It'll be fun to write a review on it. <laughs> that's cool. Well, that kind of stuff's popular, you know, all those sort of teen books, right? You know? Yeah, absolutely. So that's cool. Awesome. Very what are you even up to, Mike? I have been in – this is just uh, like an apology to everyone. You know, people that listen to this podcast, they're probably like, where the fuck did they go? They've been gone, you know. Um, I think our last podcast, we did our Halloween TV episode, and then Matt and I did our uh, WNUF Halloween special. Yeah. Which I know you reviewed on your podcast. Mm-hmm. Um but after that, I started uh, my short film called The Radio, and I've been really, really busy with that. So that's why we've sort of haven't posted anything in a while. And like I, like I said, I apologize. But uh, with that said, the film is almost done, which I'm really excited about. Um, we're going to post the trailer, I think, this uh, maybe next week, actually. And we're going to post our premiere uh, date. We're going to have a premiere here in New Jersey, which cool. will be really cool. But um, if everyone listening, if, you know, to help support us and kind of spread the word if you could go to facebook and find pennant films like p-e-n-n-a-n-t films and like our page that would be awesome and then that way you could see the trailer and check it out and um for people that don't know what it's about it's like about a a timid boy who gets love advice from his his recently uh deceased uncle um which is it's kind of like a cool story and i sent you the trailer right rochelle you saw it Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah, i read the script as well and i loved it a lot so yeah it's cool i think it's going to be sort of like uh you know an amblin kind of feel you know like a spielberg kind of feel that's definitely what it's turning into which i'm really pumped for because those are the kind of movies i loved growing up you know so yeah it's always fun so that's where i've been uh pretty much and then just my other work and being crazy with my family and all that kind of good stuff so but looking forward to winter being over and getting into spring and, you know, doing some fun outdoor stuff, you know. 
Yeah, me too. I can't wait for it to get a little warmer so I can walk around the city because it's been like like minus 25, but it feels like <laughs> minus 40 and shit like that. Like, like literally, it's terrible. You can't go outside. Well, it must suck for you. It's like, hey, I moved to Toronto and I can't go outside. You know exactly. I, mean? yeah. I can go to the same three places where I know where they are. <laughs> like, it's terrible. Does Toronto have, like, I know in uh, Minnesota they have these, like, crazy like walkways in the city like where you don't have to go outside from like building to building does toronto have anything like that where you're like um, underground there's, kind of or... like, there's like a i don't really know toronto that well but there was like this weird underground mall thing <laughs> i don't <laughs> i've never been there because it's too cold to go outside to get there but, wow that's crazy yeah. <laughs> that's nuts um what else was I gonna say oh so have you seen anything good lately like like anything to recommend to people or anything that you've kind of rewatched that you were psyched to, to kind of check out again or yeah, um, I actually, I've, I just got a Blu-ray copy of um, Late Phases, okay. which is this werewolf film that I saw at Toronto After Dark last year, and I actually just interviewed the star of it, um, like, two hours ago. Oh, that's amazing. He was, he was super, super nice, and he was so funny. Um, he, he, in the film, uh, do you remember the actor, like, the character actor Tom Noonan? Yeah, yeah. Um, he's in the movie as well. Really? And I was asking about like what it was like to work with Tom Noonan, and he said that they, that Tom was really, really intimidating because he's super tall, but um, <laughs> and like really, really quiet. But um, I guess he, Tom is like a huge fan of really terrible jokes, and Nick was like. Um, he was saying how his father was a bartender, so he's got, like, a million bad jokes. And I was like, can you tell me one, like, for our readers? <laughs> and he said, um, uh, a hamburger walks into a bar, and the bartender says, uh, sorry, man, we don't serve food or something like that. Oh I was like, that gosh. was terrible. It was so bad. That's funny, though. That's that's cool. That's, that's great that you got him to do that, you know? Yeah, yeah, it was fun. But, yeah, Late Phases, you should definitely check out if you haven't already. Yeah, no, I definitely, I'll look it up for sure, without a doubt. It's a good one. How about you? Um, how about me? I've been like obsessed with buying Blu-rays right now, and I'm pretty much obsessed with anything Scream Factory puts out. So, oh yeah, I've been just like figuring out ways to buy stuff. Like I, we keep this like like jar of change in our house, and like I bring it. I brought it to one of those like coin thingies. You like you know you put right. the, you get coins, and then you can get like a gift card. So I've been getting like Amazon gift cards. Um, and buying Blu-rays that way. And then the other thing is we have this, um, this chain here. I don't know if you have it in Canada called Suncoast. It's like, uh, no. it's like a, like a mall, like video store. But anyway, they oh, buy, okay. they buy like DVDs and stuff. So I took like all these like God awful DVDs, not even horror stuff, but just like DVDs I've had over the years. And I'm like, I'm never going to watch this again. Traded right. like a box load in and I got like, like over like $90. So I bought like a bunch of Blu-rays that way. But, um, I just saw the the movie Terrorvision. You ever see that? Um, um not since I was kind of young. That's the yeah. one with um, Garrett Graham in it, right? Like the I guy from Phantom so. of Paradise. Oh, that's interesting because I just watched that too. I'm trying to remember if it's... <laughs> yes, no, you're right. It is. Yes, it is him. It is him. Okay. But uh, anyway, it's just like a goofy, fun movie. I don't know. I just love those like fun '80s movies that you know, just like so ridiculous, and the effects are terrible, but right. there's something special about it, you know. So yeah, um, yeah that was like a two pack Scream Factory put out. Put out. It was a uh, Terrorvision and um, Video uh, Dead. Right? Yes, Video Dead. So I haven't yeah. seen the Video Dead yet, but that's definitely on my list. But I did watch Phantom of the Paradise based on your recommendation. I fucking love that movie. Like, and, it makes me so happy. <laughs> and it's so awesome. Like, I'm not a big musical kind of guy, 
guy. So that's why right. I was reluctant, you know, when you told me about it. Um, and then I also listened to the uh, Killer POV podcast, which is great. Um, and they talked about it. And I was like, you know what? I, Rochelle, you know, recommended it. And these guys are talking about it. Let me check it out. So I just went out and bought it, and I, I couldn't have been happier. It's such a fun movie. Like the, it's so stylistic and just cool. Right. You know what I mean? It's just everything about it's cool. Like the music's cool. It's uh, it's pretty awesome. So thank you for that recommendation. That no was problem. yeah. I, um, have you watched the, any of the special features yet? Not yet. Not yet. I got to delve into uh, that. The commentary is actually pretty interesting. I'm not. I'm normally not huge into commentary unless I really like the director or whoever's talking about it. Right. Right. But um, Jessica Harper talks on it. Oh, cool. And she said, like, this is her first film, and she said that um, her first scene that they shot is the part where she has to make out with, um, uh, what's his name, the swan. Uh, beef? Uh, what's his name? Why am I freaking his name? Oh, my God. No. Well, anyway, Swan. She's making out with Swan, yeah. and who was, like, a huge uh, songwriter at the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Carpenters and stuff like that. And, uh, yeah, that was, like, her first scene ever shot, which made me laugh quite a lot. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Just, like, famous funny. guy. Yeah, totally. That's funny. <laughs> but it's so fun. It's awesome. It's, like, uh, it's definitely, you know, I was nervous I was going to buy it and be like, oh, I watched it once, I'll never want to watch it again. But it's definitely one of those films that I know I'll go back to and check out. You know what I mean? It's yeah, really, really sure. good. And, you know, anyone listening who's not into musical, you know, musicals. It's Paul or, Williams. <laughs> it's, it's awesome. It's just fun. You know what I mean? It doesn't have to... It doesn't have to be about the music. Like the story's good, obviously. You know, based on Phantom of the Opera, and it, it's just like a cool take. And it just like the style of it is so cool. You know what I mean? There's a lot of you could tell they paid attention to details and stuff like that. It's really cool. So yeah, for sure. I think with the thing with that movie that I like the most is that even though it's ridiculous and it's like super stylized, um, the music is so good and it's like taken pretty seriously. You know what I mean? Like yeah, yeah. I don't know, it's just, it's, I love that movie. Yeah, <laughs> I can it's, watch the movie like every day. <laughs> it's so fun. It's so fun. So thanks again for that. So yeah, no that's problem. cool. And I'm, I'm going uh, Monday. Uh, this podcast will probably be released around then, but um, going Monday to New York City to see um, Fangoria is having a free screening of this movie called It Follows. Have you heard about it? I have heard about that. I want to see it. Yeah, it sounds like it's pretty cool. I think it's won some awards and stuff. So I got yeah. uh, I got free tickets. So I'm going to go with a friend and check it out. So um, yeah, hopefully on the next podcast I'll talk about that. You know, which will be cool. cool. But cool. Um, yeah. So anyway, so why are we here, Rochelle? What are we talking about tonight? We are talking about our favorite Twilight Zone episodes. <laughs> and you know what I just realized? It's funny. The last podcast we did together was about television, too. So it's kind of like yeah. this like theme with us. So we're going to have to like break this theme where <laughs> you and I, all we talk about is TV. But, um, I love TV. <laughs> yeah, me too. Me too. <laughs> um, so the Twilight Zone, like this show for me, it, it's so just embedded in my, in my heart. I love, 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 love this show. What, mm. what was your first experience with the Twilight Zone? Because it's, you know, obviously we weren't alive when the show was on but how were you introduced to it and when did you fall in love with it well um i was thinking about it earlier tonight uh we talked before about our kind of introduction to the horror genre yes and i was saying how uh like unlike yourself who has been raised on horror movies their entire life i really i didn't get into horror movies until later in life but with that being said i watched like a shitload of twilight zone when i was a little girl nice, <laughs> so nice. maybe that was my kind of um, arrival into the horror scene. Yeah. So I, uh, my dad used to own a mini putt in like a, a city near where we lived, 
and um, he had this really small, terrible little TV, and basically the only channels that it would get was one that always played The Twilight Zone and one that always played, like, Monty Python's Flying Circus. (laughs) (laughs) So I remember just being a kid um, at that mini-putt and watching, like, hours of The Twilight Zone. (laughs) That's cool. Was Was it a show that your parents were into, or was it just something you discovered on your own? Um, it was a show that my dad always liked. I'm pretty sure he watched it as a kid. Um, but yeah, he was definitely the one that introduced me to it. It's, it's what you said before. It's true. It's almost like a gateway, gateway into horror or sci-fi, you know, that's, mm-hmm. that's for, for kids. Cause my kids, I got them into it and they're, they like know about the twist. Like they know all the, like the terminology and it's cool. I'm like, wow, they know this and they're only like, you know, 10 um, yeah. and they love it. And I'm like, I, you know, I wonder when they have kids, are they going to like sit them down and be like, Hey, check out the show, the twilight zone. Look how, you know, how ahead it was and, and just how great the storytelling is and that kind of stuff. But, um, yeah, yeah it's cool for me. You know, my parents were obviously they were big fans of it cause they, they were kind of like teens when the show was on. Um, and I think I used to watch it with them. Um, you know, on television and stuff like that. And then I got really into the show, which I'm going to kind of have a tie in for um, that. I, maybe we talked about uh, there was a show called Amazing Stories. You ever hear of it? Um, I think I've heard of it. I don't think I've ever seen it, though. Yeah. Steven Spielberg put out the show in the 80s, you know, in his popularity called Amazing Stories. And it was almost like a take on the Twilight Zone um, where there, there were like these short stories and they kind of had like a twist to them. Um, right. They weren't all horror or sci-fi. They were all kind of different genres, but they're just really, really great little uh, vignettes. You know what I mean? And um, mm-hmm. yeah, it's definitely worth checking out if you if you ever find it. I think it's on um, you could probably find some of them on like YouTube and stuff like that. But such a great show and it's very 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 much like the twilight zone it's really cool and i, I love spielberg so it was kind of cool you know that he did something like that but that was another show that i watched that was you know we kind of watched like a twilight zone and then like amazing stories you know what i mean it was really cool cool but uh but anyway this was hard right picking a top five of the twilight zone i had like the toughest time i think i sent you my um my like my runners up which we'll talk about afterwards i had so many like right outside the top five it was like impossible yeah. to pick you know what i mean yeah, it's hard with the Twilight Zone, too, because there are those episodes that just everyone loves. Like, everyone loves Time Enough at Last. Yeah. Everyone loves, um, uh, like, the, the Living Doll. Yeah. Um, but I was trying to choose ones that were kind of outside of that scope. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, I could um, tell your list was definitely a little deeper, you know what I mean, which was which is good. Because mine, I think, is a little more like a, a fan list, and yours is more, you know, kind of delving into some of the ones that people might not have seen or haven't seen in a long time, you know? Yeah, there's there's a couple. <laughs> yeah, which is great, because I rewatched them today, actually, and uh, it was fun. Like, I think I'd seen them all, but there was one, I can't remember which one on your list, well, I'll mention it when you bring it up, but I'm like, I don't think I've ever seen this before. Um, so it was fun, you know? And I, I'm so excited. I For Christmas last year, I got this, uh, CBS put out a Blu-ray box set of the, all the, the whole Twilight Zone series, and I own it, which was so much fun to kind of like go through and just watch all these episodes you know what i mean it, uh, oh it's just amazing i freaking yeah, love it absolutely. yeah cool. it's awesome it's so great so why don't we get into this so we're going to give our top five and then we'll maybe talk about some of the ones that sort of didn't make our list you know because i think there's definitely some that i want to mention because i do love them they just they just couldn't fit into my top five you know what i mean it was hard to sort of cram them in um i had to sort of narrow it down like i said it was impossible <laughs> yeah. but um yeah i'm super psyched about this so why don't we go with your number five for sure. Um, so my number five was 22. Um, it first aired in 1961, and it follows Liz Powell, who's an overworked dancer who's in hospital. 
Um, she keeps having a reoccurring nightmare where she goes down to the basement where the morgue is, and it's room 22. Yeah. And the strange nurse standing in front of the door um, looks her and looks at her and she says, uh, "Room for one more, honey." I love it. I love like, how she says it too. It's so creepy, right? It's Every so time. creepy. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, so she keeps having this reoccurring nightmare. She'll say that to her, and then she'll um, wake up screaming and everything. And then after she finally gets better and she gets to the hospital, she goes to the airport, and she gets a ticket, and she's a little bit perturbed to find that the flight is flight number 22. Yeah. And she keeps going in spite of her nerves, and (laughs) the last scene is just it's fucking awesome. She walks up to uh, like the air gate and everything. Well, it's like it was like an outdoor kind of uh, like yeah. it was like the old like fifty style, right? Where you'd have to go outside to go up the steps to get on the yeah, plane. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so she walks up the steps, and then the hostess is standing there, and it's a woman from her dreams, and she looks up at her, who's like she's kind of being a little bit hesitant. Yeah. And then she just goes, "Room for one more, honey," and then she gives this like amazing scream. Runs away, falls down, and then, of course, the plane crashes. Yeah, and I love... <laughs> this is one of the episodes that was shot on video, right? It's it's funny. I don't know if you realize, there's some Twilight Zones they shot on film, but then, I think, which season was this one? It might have been season two or three? I can't remember. I think so, yeah. They did a couple episodes where they shot it on video, and you can totally tell. Like, it's just not... It just doesn't have that nice motion blur that, like, film has, you know? Right. And it, it just... This episode really made me laugh rewatching it today, because it was shot on video, so it's not as cool. But then, when the plane crashes, right, it's like this god-awful explosion. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. It's so fake. It's great. But, yeah, yeah, sorry to interrupt, but I just had to mention that. I just thought it was hilarious. <laughs> oh, I need to... I need to rewatch these episodes, but I totally remember that, because it doesn't look like anything that a plane crash would look like oh it's it's so bad it's so bad <laughs> but it's great yeah um, um but yeah this is definitely one of those episodes that i remember watching at my dad's mini putt um i also remember this one because i don't there there's something about that like twist in all these twilight zone episodes that really just captivated me as a kid yeah like yeah. it was probably i mean if you think about it it was probably one of the first things that I ever wanted to like get me into writing and stuff like that but I remember not being able to shut up about this episode for, like, weeks. <laughs> yeah, it's so cool. Because it, it just all comes together in the end, you know what I mean? Which is, like, I think the best Twilight Zone, most Twilight Zones do that. But this one in particular really just wraps up in the end where it all comes together and you just sort of, like, left there like, whoa, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, that was a great one, yeah, for sure. So sure. cool. Um, cool. So what's your number five? My number five... Um, is is definitely one of my favorites it's such a good good episode it's called the invaders um and it was the second season and it was originally broadcast in 1961 um but it's written by one of my favorite writers i'm like obsessed with uh uh, richard matheson i don't know if you ever heard of him before yeah he's obviously he's done a lot of uh twilight zone episodes but he's also written um a bunch of you know movies and just lots of stuff that you wouldn't even realize that he's done um really clever but just mostly he you know he would dabble in like sci-fi and horror but he's done some other kind of like dramatic kind of stuff too um so anyway the invaders was written by him um, it basically starts out with like a woman this like kind of woman and it looks like a real rustic house you know and mm-hmm. All of a sudden, um, she sees like a flying saucer and um, it like lands on a roof or she hears a noise on a roof. She goes up there and there's a mini flying saucer and these two little like aliens come out um, and they're in this like like spacesuit that almost looks like a like a like a Michelin man or something like that. You know what I mean? It's like it, it actually when 
when they designed it, they, that's what they were trying to go for. Like put it like a make it like pattern in after like the Michelin Man, like the tire guy or whatever. Right. Um, so anyway, so she goes to battle with these things and they're like shooting lasers at her and it, it, it's like this this like intense thing the whole way through. But then in the end, the big twist is. Um, she uh, she like attacks one of them, like throws it across the room because they're like these really tiny little robots. Um, you hear a voice at the end, and it's a guy calling, saying like, "Don't send any more people." You know, this, there's huge giants on this planet. Like, we can't help. Yeah. And you see on the on the spaceship, it says USA. So essentially, these these were from our planet, and they landed oh, on this planet. This episode. What's that? I, I completely, I, when you uh, told me the title of it, I couldn't remember it whatsoever, but I've yeah. definitely seen that episode. Yeah, and we probably should have prefaced this whole episode with spoiler alert, because the greatest <laughs> part of the Twilight Zone is, you know, is checking, is getting these twists, you know what I mean? So we're obviously going to spoil all these, we can't do this it's episode. It's like a 50-year time. <laughs> I know, I know. So, but th- this episode really, really touched me. I actually bought, um, I don't know if you just saw the post I put up before we started recording, I actually have the little invader guy, um, cool. I bought it for my kids and like I you know I use it it's actually like it has a little it's like in the radio too I put it in my short film but I just love this little guy Um, it's just so cool but this episode like you just it was so like um, the way the way Richard Matheson wrote it it's like very blatant you know what I mean like you don't it's so obvious like what it is but it's not obvious you know it's like you really believe that these creatures are from another planet but then in the end you find out Hey, they're from the U.S. You know what I mean? That this this woman is really the alien. You know what I mean? Which right, is so right. cool. A um, yeah. couple of cool things that I read. I have this great book called The Twilight Zone Companion, um, okay. which I've ne- I don't know if you've ever seen before, but it's a really great book that sort of goes into a lot of the backstory of how they made these episodes and stuff. But the voice at the end was the director. Uh, his name is uh, Douglas Hayes. He's done a bunch of Twilight Zones. But the voice at the end where they're calling saying don't send any more people was the director's voice, which I thought was cool. Um, the other thing I mentioned, they, they wanted to make the aliens not obvious that they were human. So that's why they made them sort of bulky, like the, the Michelin man, they wanted to make it seem like when you first saw it, you were like, Oh, that's not a human. But then when you got that they were humans, you're like, Oh, there's a human in there. You know what I mean? So yeah, they were trying to make it seem like it was a human, but it wasn't a human. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah, I just love, love Richard Matheson's writing. Um, he mentions that when he wrote it uh, initially, it was a little more intense. You know what I mean? They they, they kind of like changed it a little bit for the Twilight Zone, and he was kind of disappointed by that. He it was like wasn't his favorite episode that he wrote for them. He was kind of disappointed in the way they shot it, which I thought was interesting. You know, mm-hmm. but um, but anyway, another funny thing: the woman who plays uh, the the lady who lives in this house, her name's Agnes Moorhead. She went on to do a bunch of other fun stuff, but um. She, when she first saw the script, she was confused because there's no dialogue in the whole thing, which mm-hmm. I guess could also explain why, you know, she's like an alien. She's not really speaking in English. You know what I mean? She doesn't really have like a language, but, um, she was so confused. She's like, I don't understand. Like, what am I doing in this episode? Like, I, I don't see any dialogue. She was so used to being in roles where you were talking, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I thought that was kind of funny, but, um, cool. but, but yeah, that was, uh, that was my top five. So let's get to your number four. What was your four? Um, so my number four was The Maths from uh, 1964. Yeah. Um, this episode, I remember, is the first episode I've ever seen, but it's also kind of blurry, so maybe it wasn't, but it was definitely <laughs> one of the first. Yeah. Um, it follows Jason Foster, who's this cranky old man um, who has a daughter, and or has his daughter, her husband, and then their son and daughter come and visit for Mardi Gras. Yep. 
um, they're just shitty and rude, and they're clearly raised with money, and they, um, they have just, like, entitlement to them. Um, it's pretty clear from the beginning, because he's a rich old man, it's pretty clear that the reason why they're there is because they're just waiting for him to die. And he's pretty, and he's sick, right? Like, in the episode, yeah. he's, like, on a, he's on, like, his deathbed almost, right, or something like that? Or? Yeah. Um, yeah, so it's pretty clear that they just want his money after he dies. And he kind of takes the opportunity to be a strange old man, and he makes them wear these masks um, at midnight, and he claims that they're a tradition. Um, He says that the masks are opposite of what the people really are, um, but he's kind of being facetious because it's what they truly are. Yeah. Um, Like, I can't remember them now, but... um, Things like vain, like the the young girl is really vain. Yes, and it's like this really ugly looking face. Um, and then he puts on one that looks like death. Right. And um, at midnight, the masks become their faces and just kind of like morph to these really like like piggy looking faces. And then Jason dies. Yeah. And they get the money and the inheritance, but they're doomed forever to look like incredibly ugly <laughs> yeah they're stuck um, with the 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 you know the masks that they had worn or whatever you know what i mean and i yeah. love that episode was so cool because when they take the masks off you know they take them off at the end and they yeah. turn and they have that same face like it's like yeah. it was like it was like uh like imprinted on their real face you know what i mean it was really yeah, cool exactly yeah i uh, i just i i think with a lot of the twilight zone the reason why i like these certain episodes is just to do with childhood like i just i remember watching as a kid whenever i watch it now i kind of have like that nostalgic fondness for it um yeah i i watched this one at uh the mini putt and uh yeah (laughs) i just i really enjoy this one no it was cool i love you know just sort of the take on this like family and how you know they they were all kind of greedy and just not really nice people and then you know, this guy sort of was like, well, look, this, you're going to live with this for the rest of your lives now. Yeah. So, yeah. You and his like- acting is fantastic. Like the, the guy who plays Jason Foster is just so crotchety and mean. And- yeah. Yeah. His voice is really cool too. You know, he has that, like you said, that crotchety kind of voice, you know, like, yeah. Um, but yeah, that was a great episode. Yeah. Uh, so what's your number four? My number four is from the third season, um, and it was broadcast on February 9th, 1962, and it's called Kick the Can. Um, and this is one of the episodes that actually made it onto the Twilight Zone, the movie that came out in the 80s. I don't know if you ever saw that. Uh, yeah, but once again, not since I was a kid. Yeah, so you should rewatch it because it's kind of cool. Uh, Steven Spielberg did that one in uh, in the Twilight Zone the movie, which I thought was interesting. But anyway, Kick the Can is sort of a, a story about you know being old um, and wanting to like relive your youth. So it takes place at this um, Sunnydale Sunnyvale rest home. Sorry. Um, and one of the residents, his name is Charles Whitley, like he, he's trying to leave with his son and his son's kind of like, dad, you got to stay here. You know, you can't come with us. We're busy. Um, so he's sort of abandoned by his son, um, which is funny. You kind of think of old people as almost like being like young people again, you know, like you're kind of like reliving, like being a baby almost, you know what I mean? So like a child would be like, don't leave me, you know? Right. But it was like, he was saying it to his son, like, I, I want to go with you. And they're like, no, you got to stay here. So anyway, this whole rest home is filled of older people. And this man, um, Charles, 
he gets this idea in his head that the fountain of youth is acting young because he sees these kids outside playing this game called kick the can, which is kind of like, you know, like manhunt or, you know, like, I don't know if you played games like that in Canada as a kid where you'd be out at night on like a summer night, you know, running around just playing like a, a fun game where it's like hide and seek sort of thing. Okay, yeah. yeah, it's kind of like that. But anyway, it, it involves kicking this can, like hiding and then running out and kicking the can. Um, <laughs> so he sees these kids playing it and he gets this idea in his head while if we act like this, if we play this game, then maybe we'll become young. Um, so everyone sort of thinks he's crazy at first, and he has this one friend, his name's Ben. He's like a real sour old man. He's like, you're crazy, you know, this isn't going to work. So one night, um, uh, Charles wakes everybody up and says, let's go outside and play kick the can. So he wakes up his friend, and his crotchety old friend, and he's like, no, no, you can't do that. It's not going to work. They go outside and play the game, um, the friend comes out and sees them and goes to like tell the supervisor, the guy, you know, the guy in charge in the building, like, I'm going to go tell on you. He goes back inside, he comes out and everyone's a kid. Like everyone's become a child. Mm -hmm. Um, and at first it looks like they're just kids, but then the, the crotchety old man is like, wait, that's so-and-so you can tell it's like the characters that you've met through this episode. Um, you see their younger selves. So, the, the crotchety friend, uh, Ben, realizes it, and he, he sees Charles as a kid, and he's like, please take me with you, take me with you. And the Charles character, like, runs off like it's too late, like he's not going to make it. So Ben is stuck now in this rest home by himself as an old man, and all the other, all the other characters have become kids, and they're off now enjoying their youth, you know what I mean, again. Mm -hmm. But um, I just love the theme of this, you know what I mean? It's just so cool, like, this kind of magic. I love these episodes that had to do with kind of like magic and wonder you know what i mean it's so neat to think that you can just play this game and become like a child again you know what i mean like yeah. like the fountain of youth you know what i mean something that is so unrealistic but if you believe in something hard enough you know what i mean um it'll happen you know what i mean it's so such a cool concept you know yeah i think what i find too just from speaking to other horror fans and speaking for myself is that even though like we're obviously interested in this genre and it's like a terrifying genre yeah. um there's always this element of like deep imagination like i always hear people I, I talked to adam green a week ago oh nice and he was so nice i was like dying but um he <laughs> was uh he was talking about how did you see digging up the mirror yet not yet it's definitely on my list um, of stuff to check out yeah um he's talking about how his like his character self in that film um is like very much like what he is in real life. And mm -hmm. I could really relate to it. Just being excited at the idea of monsters or excited at the idea of something just like completely fantasy driven. So yeah. I definitely get that. Yeah. We love, that's the thing. Like that's why we love horror and we love sci-fi. It's like things that, that probably can happen, but we want to believe that it can happen. You know what I mean? Yeah, I absolutely. think that's what keeps me going and keeps me kind of youthful. You know what I mean? Like it's just that, that idea, you know, like I hate it when you see adults and they sort of lost that, you know what I mean? It's yeah. like, it's sad. Like you got to keep holding on for stuff like that and believing in, in cool things and just having that sort of fantasy mind. You know what I mean? It's great. So that's yeah, what absolutely. I love this episode. It was great, but definitely check this one out and then check out the, um, the Twilight Zone, the movie version too. Cause it's a little different take on it. There's like a, mm -hmm. they kind of twist the characters around a little bit and it's um it's really cool it's like just like a neat kind of heartwarming story you know it's very cool so that was my number four um and uh number three what's your number three um so my number three i believe it was on it's also on your list is the monsters are due on maple street yes yeah that's gonna pop up again for sure 
Cool. Um, so this first started in 1960. Uh, Maple Street is this vibrant and bustling, uh, like, just city street in, like, the 50s or so, or, like, I guess late 50s. And the shockwave uh, blasts out all of the electricity, um, but not just electricity, just, like, anything that could run whatsoever, so cars aren't star- uh, starting. Right. Um, the radios won't work, stuff like that. Sort of like the day the earth stood still. Yeah, it's like a complete shutdown. Yeah. And uh, it's the rest of the narrative is just basically how quickly it takes everyone to start accusing everyone of being an alien. Yeah. Because this, I believe it's this little boy. He, like, suggests that it might be that because he read it in one of his books or something like that. Yeah, Tommy. Yeah, Tommy, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Such a, like, white 1950s name. <laughs> yeah, it's my one of my son's names is Tommy. It's funny. <laughs> <laughs> and, um... So, uh, yeah, so the rest of the narrative is just basically how quickly this uh, street descent, uh, just, like, they go into complete chaos and they start um, accusing each other of being aliens or being responsible for this blackout. And uh, the awesome Rob Serling twist at the end is that uh, there's nobody, none of them are aliens, but there are aliens watching over them. Yeah. And they just tested them to see how quickly they would, like, devolve and attack each other yeah they sort of have this conversation right like the one the one guy knows what's going on like it's almost like he's training the other guy and he's like telling him you know this is what happens you know all you have to do is shut the lights off and blink him around fucking nuts yeah yeah yeah. like i think they're basically putting out there that the aliens are trying to take over the earth and this is how they're going to destroy the earth is by having Uh, the humans destroy each other or something like that right which is such a like it's such a twilight zone theme yeah Um, what I find so interesting about, um, like, sci-fi from the 60s is that they have all these uh, kind of warnings for humans to not go down the path that they're down. And it's so, it's pretty prophetic. Like, of course humans are going to destroy, like, each other. It's just yeah. going to happen. Yeah. But then, like, nobody really pays it any mind, which always kind of bums me out. But, yeah, mm-hmm. this is definitely one of those Rod Serling narratives. Yeah, I, you know what I realized? Our drinking game, even though you don't have any beer, our drinking game should have said every time someone says Rod. You have to <laughs> yeah, for sure. So I'll, since or I'm only with beer tonight, I'll just play by myself. I, I, you said Rod, I have to drink. Okay, bye. Twist, twist, twist. Rod, rod, rod. <laughs> oh, damn it. Now i got to chug this beer. Um, no, that's a great one. Yeah, that's definitely coming up on my list. But it's interesting how many of these Twilight Zone episodes have sort of like a political sort of slant to them or, you know yeah. what I mean, sort of like society, about society kind of stuff, which is cool. You know, it's it's yeah. uh, it's really smart. You know what I mean? If you think about it, some of these episodes are just way smart if you really kind of think about For them sure. a little I bit. Think that, I think that science fiction and horror um, using kind of symbols and um, – just yeah, I guess just symbols to convey the message is a much easier way for people to understand things compared to just like a straight drama. You know what I mean? Like just yeah. some if it was just some story about humans, you know, fucking each other over, I guess it would still be pretty interesting, but yeah, but this having that alien element is always interesting. Oh, it's awesome. Yeah, it's so cool and it's like a, you know, like any twilight zone's got a nice twist at the end, which is awesome, you know. Yeah, yeah, Very for cool. sure. Cool. All right, what's your number three? My number three is one of the scarier ones. I think it's scarier. You know, when I was a kid, I thought it was really scary. Um, It's called Night Call, and it was from the fifth season. Okay. Um, So this was 1964. Um, Also written by Richard Matheson, one of my favorite writers. Um, And 
actually, I read this short story before I saw this Twilight Zone episode. Um, he has a series of books called Shock. I don't know if you've ever seen them like, in like used bookstores and stuff, but you should definitely check them out. Um, cool. They're all just like short like horror stories or sci-fi stories. Um, I think he has three of them. There may be four. I'm not sure. I have three of them. Um, but this was a story in his first book, Shock 1, and it was called Long Distance Call. Okay. Um, and then they, you know, he, he, you know, made it into uh, the Twilight Zone episode called Night Call. But anyway, the, the, the synopsis of the story is there's this old woman, Elva Keen, and they do this great thing. I love when directors do this thing. Uh, Hitchcock used to do this all the time, like a, in um, Rear Window. You saw this, like the opening shot where you kind of tell so much about the character before you even see the character. It's like all in one camera move. You know what I mean? Right. Like, so they do that with this, where you kind of see this, this house and you know, it's old because you can kind of see some old things. You see a wheelchair. So right away you're like, Oh, someone's crippled. Um, and then you see this old woman in the bed, uh, sleeping. So you get like all these different things about this woman's character before anybody says anything or you even see the lady. So, uh, it was really clever. I thought, um, but anyway, this old lady, uh, she's obviously crippled, and she's um, in this old house, and I think she's supposed to be, like, in Maine or something like that. Um, so she starts this getting... This shit always happens in Maine. <laughs> yeah, right? That's like Stephen King's, like, you know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> stomping ground for anything scary. Um, yeah, Maine's, Maine's cool. Maine's really cool. Um, but anyway, so she's in this bed and she starts getting these phone calls at night. She gets some during the day too, but the first one's at night. And at first it's just like this, like weird hissing static. And she's like, who is this? And she's trying to like figure out who it is. But then she starts hearing voices. Um, and at first it's just like, you know, little things, but then it turns into like a voice saying like, where are you? And I want to talk to you. And it's really creepy voice. It's like really like, um, like almost like old, like haunted house kind of like okay. a voice, like, who are you? You know, like just like spooky <laughs> kind of voice. It's great. Whoever did the voice is amazing. So, um, and like I said, it doesn't just happen at night. It happens during the day. And the whole time the woman's trying to figure out who it is. So she's calling the, um, the telephone company and she's like, I don't know who this, the, where this call's coming from. And could you help me out? And they're like, well, we'll figure it out. You know, we'll see if we can trace the line or whatever. Um, and then she has this like caretaker that comes every day and she's like telling her like, you know, I don't know who, where the call's coming from. And the lady's like, oh, well, I'm sure it's just a mistake or whatever. So anyway, it goes through the story where eventually um, the telephone company people, I think this is, unless I'm getting the short story confused with the Twilight Zone, but they, they're like, well, we we found that there's a line down. So I don't think that your phone should even be getting any calls or something like that. So they take a drive to uh, where the line is down and they find a grave site and the line is like laying right on the tombstone. Right. <laughs> and then you find out in this Twilight Zone episode, now I'm getting the two uh, together now. In the Twilight Zone episode, you find out that it's her fiance who died in a car crash when, <laughs> when she was driving. So he died. She didn't die. She got like, you know, crippled for life where she can't use her legs. And it's her fiance trying to talk to her. So she gets excited, r races back home to like, now she knows who it is. She wants to talk to him, of course, you know? So she gets home and the, the phone call comes in one, one last time. And um, she's like so excited because she wants to, you know, reconnect with him. And he says, well, you, you told me to leave you alone because she would keep saying like, leave me alone on the phone, like earlier in the episode. And right. he's like, I, I always do what you say. So goodbye. <laughs> and he just like hangs up and that's it. So <laughs> like she lost the connection and she's like all upset. But what's cool is the short story version is way different and it's really cool. It's worth talking about. Mm -hmm. 
there's never the the thing about the fiance or anything. The the way it ends in the short story, which is really creepy, is she gets the call, um, and as she's talking to uh, the operator, she tells the operator her uh, address. Then she hangs up with the operator. The call comes through, and it's the voice again. And he's like, "I know your address now. I'll be right over." And that's how the book ends. Like it's just oh, like. Fuck. <laughs> So she's like trapped at night. She can't get out of her bed because she's crippled. And this like ghost going to come and kill her basically, which I thought was way creepier. But I, you know, I get what they did with the Twilight Zone, why they did it that way. They needed more of like a wraparound kind of thing, you know? Yeah, yeah, for sure. But when you watch this one, it's really scary. You know what I mean? It's like they they, they do a lot of cool things with light and shadow and stuff in this one um, that really gives it that creepy, creepy feel. And like I said, the guy's voice on the other line of the phone is just super, super creepy until you find out who he is. You know what I mean? Yeah, I've actually never seen this one, so I'll have to check it out someday. Yeah, check it out. And definitely if you can track down um, that book, Shock, um, Shock. you got to read. There's so many great short stories in there. It's so inspiring. It's awesome. Cool. Oh, yeah. Check that out. There's a really great used bookstore, like not too far away. So yeah. Search for that shit. Yeah, you should. Any of the Shock books are great. They're all by Richard Matheson, and they're all really, really cool. Cool. Um, so that was my number three. We're on to number two. So my number two uh, was The Last Rites of Jeff Myrtlebank nice. from 1962. Um, it, it takes place in a small southern town. Um, it starts with this uh, funeral. You get the idea that the entire town is there, basically, and there's maybe 15 people. Yeah, it's like supposed to be in like the 20s or something, right? I think so, yeah. Yeah. And uh, halfway through the funeral, Jeff Myrtlebank, who is supposed to be dead, uh, rises out of his own coffin, <laughs> and everyone uh, freaks out like you would think that they would, and they uh, all run outside, and then he comes outside, and he's just like, guys, it's just me, <laughs> like, I was just asleep, <laughs> or whatever. And um, and he's kind of goofy, right? Like, he's, like, the he's, actor's kind of got that goofy voice, you know? He's, he's just, super, like, yokely. <laughs> yeah, totally, which For makes sure. it which makes it kind of funny, you know what I mean? Absolutely. And uh, so, like, the most, the majority of the episode is just him trying to convince uh, his friends and his neighbors and his family and his uh, fiance or girlfriend um, that it's him and that the declaration of his death was incorrect, um, even though the doctor swears that there was no pulse and there was no breath and whatever. Yeah. Um, but suspicious things keep happening. Like, everything he touches dies. Uh, my favorite out of those is that he drives a car and then all of a sudden it just, like, shuts right off, which cracks me up. Uh, but, yeah, he, like, he gets some flowers for his girlfriend. I can't remember her name. It's, like, I don't know. It's something you would expect it to be, like, it's, Oh, it's, like, um, oh, it's, oh, shoot, I just watched it, too. It's not chastity. It's, like, something like that, though. Um, oh, oh, yeah, what is it? Oh, um, shoot. It's going to bug me now. I could probably look it up as you're talking because I have the, the guide in front of me. Right. Um <laughs> Oh, um, shoot. Yeah, go ahead. Keep talking, and I'll look it up. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so everyone's about to kick him out. He basically just convinces his lady that he's not a ghost or anything like that. Well, they think he's, like, the devil or something, right? Or they're, like, yeah. he's evil or something, right? Yeah, just, like, something's wrong. And uh, they're just about to kick him out for being the devil or being whatever. And then he just gives his final plea that it's him. And they decide not to kill him. <laughs> because, and, like, uh, he proposes to her or something, right? He convinces yeah, yeah, everybody yeah. that they're going to get married, so he shouldn't he shouldn't yeah. be, you know, like, uh, chastised or kicked out or something like that. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so they decide to leave him alone, and then the last scene, which is just so funny, is uh, him kind of, like, holding her, 
and then he is just about to light a cigarette or something, but he lights it with just his finger. Like, he doesn't have a match or anything. He's just and holding then, it, right? It's just like... It just I think like, so, yeah. Yeah, it just lights itself almost or something like yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> and then she's just kind of like, how did you just do that? And then it basically just ends. But this is another episode that I definitely watched as a kid. Um, it's just... It's funny. Like, all these episodes are just so charming because they have that... Um, you know, huge twist factor yeah. that you can kind of you can kind of see coming from a mile away after you watch it. But they're uh, I don't know. This one's just really charming. Yeah, comfort. That's the name of the this comfort. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know I got chastity, but chastity. I was that was close. It was with the C. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but no, that was that was a cool episode. I that's the one I don't think I've ever seen before that I told you okay. about before, and I just watched it with my with my sons, which was cool. You know, we were just kind of watching it. Um, but yeah, it was cool. Like it, 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 the whole time I was like, "What's going on here? Like, is he really is is he different?" Because it, it confused me because he was such like a friendly person that it was hard mm-hmm. to believe he would be someone evil. You know what I mean? But I guess yeah, I love that there's no explanation as to why he's the devil either. <laughs> right, there, there isn't. It's just like you know, it's just something's evil about him or whatever. You know, he's he's just like mm-hmm. a, like that's it. It's like an evil spirit takes over dead bodies. They talk about that in the episode or something like that. So that's yeah. what it is. I don't think he's the devil, but he's like some sort of evil spirit that comes back or something like that in into right. a, a dead body. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, that's a great one. That's <laughs> a good one. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Good. Good number two. Awesome. So what's your number two? My number two was your number three, I think. It's the, yep. the Monsters Are Doing Maple Street. So, um, yeah, that was uh, from the first season. Um, this was one of the ones written by Rod Serling, which was pretty cool. Drink, mm-hmm. Rod. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, which, uh, yeah, he's the, he, you know, Rod wrote some really, really good ones, um, and this was definitely one of them. Um, this was um, a couple things that you didn't talk about that I'd like to mention. This was, I'm sure, inspired the movie The Burbs. You ever see the movie The Burbs? Um, no, I don't think so. You should check it out. It's, uh, it was like an 80s movie. Tom Hanks was in it. Um, Corey Feldman's in it. Um, it's a similar kind of feel. Like I almost feel like they shot it on the same lot because it looks like the same exact street. But right. it's, it's very similar where uh, neighbors, not really against each other, but neighbors are sort of like this like um, this family moves into town and everyone's super suspicious of this family. And it's mm-hmm. got a lot of the same themes that this show has and it's it's almost like the same characters. So I want to say that, that that definitely influenced that movie, but that's definitely a cool movie to check out too, The Burbs. It's great. Cool. Yeah, um, I've heard- yeah, it's it's cool. Um, the another cool thing that I that I read in this uh, the Twilight Zone companion, which was kind of cool. Um, the aliens um, were wearing costumes from the uh, the movie Forbidden F- Planet. Yeah, Forbidden Planet, which I thought was yeah. funny. And then the last shot where you see the spaceship fly away, mm-hmm. it was actually the same shot from Forbidden Planet. Oh, all, that's hilarious! All they did was like flip the image and reverse it, or they reversed it, or something like that. Um, that's so- yeah, which I thought was really funny. You know, they, they, I'm sure it was like the same you know f- company or something. So they're like, let's just use it. You know what I mean? Right. Um, but yeah, what a great episode as as far as like like you were talking about just dealing with that that um theme of like people just turning on each other and just how simple and how easy it would be to get people to just turn on on one another you know what i mean in a, in a tight-knit neighborhood too you know yeah. and i love how it starts out this beautiful neighborhood and like you know the kids are playing outside and they're buying ice cream and everything seems great but then you know with a simple thing people will just freak out and just start blaming each other you know yeah and especially the one guy gets shot you know what i mean like it's just like awful you know just like really (laughs) bad stuff like 
I seem to remember the street being like on fire at one point. Like, well, I think at the end, like when all shit's going loose, and then they do that pan <laughs> up to the aliens. Like, there's like just everything's going nuts. Like, there's fire. Yeah, there's like, it's in- <laughs> insane. Like, people are smashing windows, and yeah, it's crazy. Um, but yeah, that's a really really good episode. That's definitely one of the ones that I always remember as being like a staple Twilight Zone. Like, I feel like some of these. Like, you know, some of yours are, like, deeper kind of, you know, like, Twilight Zones. But this is the one, like, if you would tell your friends, like, oh, you got to check out the Twilight Absolutely. Zone, see this one. You know, it's, like, one of the ones that you would tell. Um, yeah. Yeah, which is great. So that's uh, my number two. What's your number one? So my number one um, is The Howling Man from 1960. Great. Um, this, this is such a good one. This was definitely, like, right outside my top five. This is such a good so one. so good. Uh, so a man takes refuge in this monastery Um on this like really really uh just like downpour of an evening yeah um where he hears the suspicious howling noise um and I, I haven't seen it for a while so i can't fully remember the story but it was like he's talking to these monks that lived there and he finds this man who's locked up and the only thing that's keeping him from getting out of like the cell that he's in is this um uh what do you call it like a like a cane thing. <laughs> yeah, it's like a staff, right? Staff, like a, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, and, like uh, yeah. He's like, like a, he looks like Moses or something. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> and he's uh, he's trying to convince the man to let him out of the cell, and the man's just kind of like, "Why don't you just reach down and pull it off yourself?" And he's still like, "Oh, don't worry about it." And um, <laughs> the monks say that this man in the cell is the devil, and then the person who's in the cell says to him that they're crazy, and. Um, after being convinced by the man who's in the cell that the monks are crazy and all this, um, the man does take the staff off and let the devil go. Yeah. And then there's this great transformation scene. Oh, I love this. These shots are so good. It's so good. And he's, he's walking, and every time he passes a pole, he looks a little bit more and more like that iconic devil that oh, we all like so, a mustache and horns. Oh, it's so great. He's got the cape with like the collar up and everything. It's yeah, awesome. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, so, and then the rest of the narrative is just that he, this man spends the rest of his life um, trying to hunt the devil again and capture him, him again because he's just like ridden with guilt that he let that happen. Yeah. Um, but undoubtedly the best scene in this uh, episode is that that transformation scene but I was reading that it apparently almost didn't happen apparently what they wanted to do was like just let the man go free and then the guy was gonna like see photos of him like way later and he was gonna be some Nazi commander in Poland or something like that oh they were gonna make it seem like he like was doing you know cause they talk about that in the episode how he like wages all these wars yeah like, yeah right yeah yeah um, but yeah they apparently they almost cut out that whole transformation scene which was uh, Oh, it's ma- it makes makes it it makes the episode for sure. You know what I mean? Because there's yeah. a lot of talking in this episode. It's like um, the biggest chunk of this episode was when the uh, what's the, the the main monk's name? Is it? Uh, I can't remember. I can't remember either. But anyway, he's telling the story to this guy. Like the the guy keeps asking him, like, why why won't you let the why do you have this guy trapped? And he goes into this long story and eventually tells him about how he he captured the devil. So the mm-hmm. huge chunk of this is like dialogue. Um, so it's a little slow. But then when when he finally lets him out and you realize you see the look on his face on the devil's face, like you just let me out, like you moron. You yeah. know what I mean? It's, <laughs> yeah. it's great. And when he walks away, like you said, that transformation scene is is got be one of the coolest sequences in a Twilight Zone episode ever. It's so great. Um, This one I had not, like, even though I had seen, like, an insane amount of Twilight Zone as a kid, this one I didn't see until, like, way later on in life. 
Um, I was just talking to my dad about the Twilight Zone one day, and he said that this was his favorite episode. Oh, nice. He remembered being a little kid and watching a transformation scene, and he was just like terrified. Oh, I'm sure as a little kid, yeah, you'd be yeah. completely scared. <laughs> but actually, uh, I have the toy of like the fully transformed devil. Oh, that's so my, cool. That's I, really cool. I love all those toys. There's a store in my town that sells, that's where I got the little invader guy, you know what I mean? Cool. But I, I want that, and I want the little uh, fortune teller thing, you know, they sell that too, which is really cool. Um, yeah. It's great, yeah. There's so many cool little things, but that's cool that you have the devil. That's awesome. I'll have to, I'll take a photo afterwards and post it on Instagram. Yeah, yeah, do it. That'd be cool for sure. Yeah, yeah. people will like that because everyone just loved the one I did with the invader guy. Everyone's it's so it. cute and small. <laughs> well, it's, it's like actual size too, which I love. It's great. Oh. <laughs> All right. So, what's your number one? My number one is probably it's a predictable number one, but it's definitely when I got into the Twilight Zone, and I think this might have been the first or the second one that I saw because I think my parents were like you have to see this episode you know what I mean it's like one of those episodes it's Eye of the Beholder um, from the second season um, this uh, this episode is so brilliant. The way they shot it, the way it's written, like everything about it is so clever. Um, mm-hmm. So the story uh, follows this this woman. Her name's Janet Taylor, and she's in a hospital bed. Her face is completely covered with gauze, so you can't see her face. Um, and you start to see, like, you see, like, a nurse come into the room, but you never see her face. Everything's shot either in shadow or from behind. So you never see um, any of the doctors or any of the nurses' faces that are in this hospital. Um, And like I said, Janet is completely covered up. So you start to realize in the story that Janet is there for a procedure, procedure, and she's this is like her 11th procedure, which you are also told that this is like the last one you can get, and there's no more. Um, But what you find is that she wants to become beautiful. She wants to look like everyone else because she must be hideous under this gauze. Um, So... Already in your head, you're like, what could she possibly look like? You know what I mean? Like, it couldn't be that bad. Like, geez, she must be really bad. So, mm-hmm. so the whole episode, you know, goes on and she's like, she just wants to look beautiful. And then she learns to find out that if this procedure doesn't work, they're going to put her like off on some island somewhere with all these other <laughs> misfits that are ugly. And it's going to be awful. Like, yeah. it's like this huge, like dictatorship, like this crazy, you know. Um, place, but they refer to them as humans. So you're like, oh, you know, is this Earth like in another dimension or what's going on? Right. So then, um, you know, they're talking about, you know, I'm not sure if it's going to work. The doctor's like, yeah, it might not work this. And if it doesn't, you're going to have to go away, blah, blah, blah. And you could tell this woman is just so upset. And she tells stories about how when she was younger, kids used to like scream and laugh at her and like, you know, say that she was ugly. And you just feel for this woman, you know. Um, So then it gets to the part where she's like, look, I need the bandages off. I need to know. They're like, okay. So they go to take the bandages off and it's done so cleverly because it's very slow, right? They're like, okay, I'm going to take the first layer of bandages off. And they take the first Mm -hmm. layer off. And it's shot so cool too. And I I learned um, on this uh, box set that I have, this Blu-ray box set, there's commentary. And I I listened to it today and it was really cool. The way they shot it was they took a fishbowl and put it over the lens of the camera and they wrapped the fishbowl with gauze so when when they shot it they would just pull off the gauze you know and it would look like someone's face like a perspective of someone's face so you start to make out um you start to make out the doctor's you know kind of faces a little bit but you don't really see anything because like i said the whole episode shot very clever so then all of a sudden 
They get the last layer of gauze off. You don't see the woman's face. This is like the greatest part. You just hear the doctor go, it didn't work. Or I forget the exact <laughs> words. He's like, it, it didn't work. It's a fail or something. Yeah. And, yeah. and the woman like, looks at herself in a mirror and she screams. And then you see her face and you're like, holy shit, she's gorgeous. Like, yeah, yeah. And then they cut to the reveal of all the doctors and the nurses' faces. And they're just like these hideous, like pig-like looking creatures, right? Is that how, how you yeah. refer to it? It's like, it's just clever really really cool stuff i thought that i thought they showed her face first because i remember thinking oh it worked she's beautiful you know what i mean yeah i can't remember i just watched it again today i feel like they he says it didn't work then they show her face then they show their faces right is that right, how, right. Yeah. yeah but those pig faces are hilarious oh, oh it's great <laughs> they make them someone makes a mask i saw it on instagram like you can get like the mask of it which we should Ooh. have been like wearing this whole episode which would have been really funny um <laughs> just but, for our own <laughs> <laughs> so anyway she freaks out she like runs through the hospital and she's like all scared because now she's going to be outcast um and she sees all the different people with their weird faces you know like there's one funny shot where there's like a guy like a nurse and like a doctor talking and, and the doctor's like smoking <laughs> out of this like <laughs> weird like weird like pig lip you know what i mean it's just funny <laughs> so she runs into this room and she runs into this gorgeous guy and the doctor's waiting he's like well look this this is the representative he's going to take you to this place and the guy's like, look, you know, there's other, I'm going to take you, there's other people that look like us and everyone's really nice. It'll be okay. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, but there's the other thing I forgot to mention, there's like, like I said, it's like a dictatorship. They show like earlier in the episode, they show this, like, um, this leader, like on a TV screen. And he's like, very like, almost like they live. Like, he's just like, you must conform and blah, blah, blah. Right. It's like, it's pretty freaky, you know? Um, but the things I read about shooting this episode, it was a real challenge, you know what I mean? Because they, they wanted to shoot in a way where it wasn't completely obvious uh, what was going on, but so hard to film, you know, because they had to come up with clever ways. They, they said they didn't want to just film it where it was just like people's uh, hands, like, you know, c- like cropping off people's heads. They wanted to show people's heads, but shoot it in a way. So that's why they did a lot of reverse shots, like behind people's heads. And right. A, and a lot of like work with light, which is cool. You see the outline of someone's face, but it's all in shadow. You know what I mean? Like it was really, really clever. So they said it was almost like, um, filming like a dance sequence because it was so hard to orchestrate, you know, the different shots, you know, because it, they had to like time everything perfectly with camera moves and lighting and all that kind of stuff, which I thought was really clever, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's really subtle too. Cause you don't really catch on to it that you're not seeing anyone's face until a few minutes into it. You know, what's funny though. I watched it today on this Blu-ray set that I have and mm-hmm. the opening shot where you see, um, the woman laying in bed, uh, at the beginning, a nurse comes through the door Mm-hmm. And with the Blu-ray in high def, you can see the nurse's face, and she doesn't have makeup on. Oh, really? It's funny. You can see that she's like a regular, like she's just like not wearing any makeup. Right. Um, and I'm sure, you know, on television in the old day, you couldn't. You know what I mean? It was probably like the contrast was a little more. Uh, but with the high def, you can make it out. If if anyone has the Blu-ray um, or an, a high def version, watch this this episode again and look at the nurse's face and you will see that she's not wearing any makeup. It's really funny. Um, yeah, I caught that today. It was great. But um, the makeup artist, his name was William Tuttle and he had just done work for the movie, the time machine. And the, originally uh, the way it was written, uh, cause Rod's, Oh, Rod Serling drink, Rod Serling, um, <laughs> <laughs> Rod Serling wrote this episode too, which is great. This is another one of a great, you know, memorable, 
rememberable episodes that he that he wrote. But um, originally in the script, he wanted the makeup to be really elaborate, like super, super hideous, you know. Um, and I guess they didn't have the budget for it. So the director um, talked to the makeup artist and noticed that he did the time machine. And I guess in the time machine, they have these um, these creatures called Morlocks, which are they looked very similar. Have to, you ever seen the Twilight or the time machine? I have. I haven't seen it in a, in a while, though. Oh, that looks um, hilarious. Yeah, it's good. But the, the, the you'll probably remember then. Do the Morlocks kind of look like the uh, these creatures? Yeah, they're kind of like piggy looking. Mm. So that's what he did. The director was like, hey, look, why don't you just use that same sort of technique where you, you know, we could just like paste these, um, you know, glue these like, uh, you know, fixtures on the people's faces and we'll do that. So they did. And it worked. You know what I mean? It was it was cool. It really got the um, the attention that people would want. Um the other cool thing about this episode is two actresses played um, Janet, the woman in the bed. I don't know if you knew this. No. It's really cool. The director um, wanted the voice when she's in the, uh, the, the gauze to be sort of like a harsh kind of voice so people would believe in their head that she might be ugly. She was ugly, yeah. Right. So they used a different voice and then they hired this actress who was sort of like a newcomer to play her out of the gauze because they wanted someone beautiful. But what's funny is they originally told the actress that was going to be out, out of the gauze, um, her name was Donna Douglas, um, they were like, look, we're going to do the scene where you scream, you're going to say these lines, but we're going to overdub your voice with the other actress whose name was Maxine Stewart. Um, the newcomer actress, the one that was really beautiful, hung around for the whole shooting of the other thing because she was kind of new and she wanted to see like, you know, how it was done and stuff. She practiced the other woman's voice. So when she did it, the voice sounded so good, they kept it. So <laughs> it is the two different actresses, but if you watch the episode again... I watched it today and paid attention to this. You can tell her voice is a little different, but it's actually like a pretty good job. Cool. Um, but I thought that was cool. It was like two different women. It was kind of like a neat way to, uh, to you know, kind of a cool filmmaking trick, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. The other cool thing is the director, Douglas Hayes, um, when he cast all the doctors and nurses, he for the audition process, he turned his back to all of them because he didn't want to see their faces. He just wanted to hear their voices because yeah. essentially that's all you really hear until the end. And then you see their faces and by then they're all hideous anyway, which I thought was kind of cool, you know? Oh, cool. Yeah, it was, that's awesome. Yeah. It was kind of neat. Um, and I thought the whole like, um, fishbowl thing was kind of cool. The way to kind of shoot the, uh, the, un un the, the reveal of the, you know, the face or whatever, taking the gauze off, which was kind of cool. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. So, uh, so yeah, that's my number one. So that's our list. So any, you, any that you sort of did make your list that you want to mention? Um, I mean, uh, time enough at last is always going to be a, like a fan favorite. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I remember one time I showed my friend that, and he hadn't like he didn't know the ending through like pop culture proximity. And it was just really exciting to, like, watch someone react to that great ending. It was just so disappointing. Oh. He's such a sympathetic character. Oh, my God. It's so sad. Like, yeah. that, that crunch. You know what I mean? The glasses. It's just like, no! Oh. I don't even know what I would do. <laughs> that's so sad. Yeah. That's, um, uh, that's a great one. And then another one that would have probably been in my top five also is uh, the Hitchhiker episode. Yes. That's a great one. Yeah. That's definitely one that I remember from youth as well. Um, that man who plays the Hitchhiker is absolutely fucking terrifying. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, how about you? Um, I had a bunch, but I'll just kind of mention them and talk about a few. Um, I really love with the Real Martians Please Stand Up. I don't know if you've ever seen that one. Is that the one where they're in the little diner? Yes, like the bus yeah. breaks down, and 
it's really clever because that one's one of the ones that has like a double twist. I don't know if you yeah. like. I won't spoil it for people that haven't seen it. That's a really cool one to see. Because fifty it, years, you can totally spoil it. <laughs> I know, I know. But no, there's the, it's it's just cool. It has like a double twist, which I thought was really cool. But it's it's just like a story about. Um, it's almost like um, uh, the monsters on Maple Street. It's like very similar where people are trying to figure out who mm-hmm. this like this hidden alien is supposedly in this episode you and know seeing each other yeah it's kind of like a mystery you know what i mean which is kind of cool yeah. um i like that one another one i loved was the midnight sun i don't know if you ever seen that one i don't know if i know that one it's like a woman and she's like she's really really hot and uh, I'll spoil this one because it's kind of a cool one. She's okay. really, really hot. It, like she's hot because she <laughs> – not hot like like beautiful, like hot. She's like sweating. Oh, you know I mean? oh no. I totally yeah. know that one. Yeah. And yeah. she's and, like going to – it's either burn alive or freeze to death or something like that. Well, no. She, like is supposedly like the sun is getting closer to earth and everyone's like freaking out because like the earth is going to explode. Um, but in the end, you find out that she has a fever and it's actually the opposite. It's like really, really cold on Earth. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> the whole time you think like she's just having a nightmare, basically. You know what I mean? Right. Um, that one's really cool. Um, the Dummy. You got to love that episode. Yeah, for it's sure. So freaky. Um, yeah, I actually threw a reference of the dummy into the radio. I have a ventriloquist dummy in the radio and I named it Willie, which is the name of the dummy in um, this Twilight Zone episode, which is kind of cool. Oh. Um the old man in the cave. Do you ever see that one? Um, I know the name. What that, happens in it? That's uh, it's like a sort of like this like recluse like community, um, and there's like everyone relies on this this supposed old man in the cave, and this one guy goes to talk to the old man in the cave to get advice, and he comes back, but then these like outsiders come into town and. They find out like that that there's this old man in the cave, and they're like, "Who the hell is this old man in the cave? We're gonna figure <laughs> out who it is." And they go to the cave, and it's a computer. It's like a like a huge oh, okay. computer, and the computer is telling them what to do. You know, they don't explain how it happened, but it's just kind of a cool twist, you know. Right. Um, cool. Another thing we didn't talk about, there's a lot of movies that are sort of like influenced by the Twilight Zone. Yeah, I actually um I was gonna do a series a while ago for Paracinema.net that oh, was um. Cool. I was taking old Twilight Zone episodes and then comparing them to modern films. I only ended up doing one installment of it, but I did um, uh, To Agnes With Love, that oh, okay. episode where it's a like, computer programmer, and he creates this computer that falls in love with him. Yeah. And it just, like, sabotages his life. Yeah. Um, because it like it, he won't love it back. And then I compared it to her. Yeah, totally. Because, um, and I just kind of talked about how there's a difference in understanding of technology between um, the 60s and modern day, because tagging this with love, you know, the computer's this really malicious thing. Um, it's trying to just sabotage his life at whatever cost. And then in her, she's sweet, and she, like, she kind of cares about him, but she also cares about everything else. And um, so with one, there's kind of this warning to stay away from, and not rely on technology too much. And then with the one from recent years, it's like, leave your technology alone <laughs> like stop being so involved with it because it doesn't love you type of thing yeah exactly no that's cool yeah it's it's super cool how you can see those um those comparisons in old twilight Zone episodes in like so so many oh totally uh, there's so many writers and directors that had to have been influenced like there's the episode um little lost girl i don't know if you ever saw that one yeah that's uh like poltergeist isn't it's it? totally poltergeist i yeah, like i yeah, recently watched it but i'm like oh my god this is poltergeist it's crazy yeah. um, um it's one what's i don't remember the one what it's called but it's like 
this old starlet and she's watching old videos of yes, herself. Yes, yes. Yeah, that and it's w- exactly like Sunset Boulevard or totally. uh, whatever happened to Jane. Yeah, yeah, it's it's amazing. I think you know if we kind of go through, I'm, I'm sure we could even find more. But um, yeah, it's it's such like an influential thing. You know what I mean? It's such a such a great thing. And I think um, you gotta you gotta really appreciate what Rod Serling did. You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm done. I'm like two beers in. I'm almost finished with the second. Oh man. <laughs> But, um, yeah, it, it's, he's so, he was so smart, you know what I mean? To, to do this, this little guy that grew up in upstate New York to, to create the show and have this, this sort of imagination, you know what I mean? That's the one thing I read about him is that growing up as a kid, he was, he just had this crazy imagination. Yeah. And, super talkative. Yeah. And he just would talk. Like I read this thing, like in the car, they travel yeah, and he would that. just talk all the time. Like, and they would just be like, when is he going to stop? And you just wouldn't yeah. stop talking. There was a, there was one story about how, I guess they I don't know how long they were driving for, but the entire family, they decided they're not going to say anything and they just wait and see if Rod notices, but he didn't, he just talked for the whole thing. Did, I read that <laughs> same thing too. And I he can't like, even imagine him as a kid. <laughs> I think he would like, he would ask his parents a question and an answer for them. Like he just would just keep going and going and going (laughs) so funny yeah yeah what a smart guy i never really got into night gallery did you ever watch any of those Uh, episodes i watched a couple episodes of night gallery when i was a kid uh the one that i can kind of remember i haven't seen it for years though is there was like a painting that was of a woman's front house and then it like changes or something and then there's like this ghost that comes out i can't remember but cool it was never as good as Twilight Zone. Yeah, no, I'd still, I'd still like to check it out. You know what I mean? Just because it's him, you know, it'd be kind of cool yeah. to see. But um, yeah, I think um, yeah, for five seasons, you know what I mean? To the amount of episodes that they put out too, it's it's unbelievable. You know what I mean? It's so cool, just like groundbreaking, just so ahead of its time. You know what I mean? Such a great, great, you know, addition to television. It was so cool. Yeah, for sure. That's great. So, uh, so Rochelle, what what else is going on? What do you got? Anything cool coming up, or anything you want to talk about, or? Um, uh, well, I'm trying to think. <laughs> I don't know, there's always stuff going on, basically. Um, I'm, I think I mentioned earlier, I'm going to be, I have like a short piece in a room org coming yes, up. Yes, yes. Which is pretty cool. It's because it's my first time with that magazine. Um, I don't know. What about, what about your, your podcast? What's going on with that? You've been slacking I, too. Uh, I got rid of it. I had too much other stuff to do. (laughs) Yeah, I hear you. I know you're busy. (laughs) But um, I have been talking with a friend uh, recently about possibly doing like a feminine-centric horror podcast in the future. Oh, cool. Nice. So we might do that. That would be pretty fun. That's cool. I could be on. I'll just wear a wig. Yeah, do it. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. How about you? Um, yeah, just trying to finish the radio. I'm going to get that finished. Um, and then hopefully we'll just, you know, keep this rolling. I think we got some exciting podcasts coming up. I think we're going to do a sci-fi horror one, um, which would be cool. And then we're going to do that collaboration one with the guys at forever midnight. I want to say like midnight horror, but I I always, (laughs) I always get it wrong. Forever midnight podcast and, 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 and us, we're going to do like a podcast together, which would be really cool. So yeah, hopefully, I'm super excited for yeah, that. yeah, we'll get These you on that. Hilarious. Yeah. They're fun. I love their podcasts. They're always fun. They're just like laughing all the time. And yeah, um, I don't know who it is, but one person on that podcast has like the funniest little chuckle ever. Oh, yeah. Just like maintains for the whole hour. I know. It's great. It's so great. <laughs> 
Um, but they, they have a great podcast. So yeah, everyone check them out, but yeah, I'm excited. So I think we're talking about doing, um, horror sequels podcast together. So I think that'll be a cool one because there's so many great ones and not like sequels, like part twos. It could be any, you know, any part, you know, of of a horror movie. So that's the one we initially talked about. So hopefully that'll work. So I think we're talking about doing that in April. So that'll be cool. So, um, yeah, so hopefully some good podcasts coming up, but, um, yeah, I'm excited to uh, to keep it going. So we'll have to come up with a new topic that we can talk about soon, you know? Yeah, for sure. It, that maybe won't be about television. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So, Risha, how can people find you on the uh, internet? Um, You can follow me on Instagram at rcharkot. It's R-C-H-A-R-K-O-T. Um, you can actually add me on Facebook now because I'm finally on Facebook I know. Again. You were like anti-Facebook for a while. Now you're, <laughs> I you're like all Facebook. over it. <laughs> yeah. I ended up joining Facebook because uh, I became the social media coordinator for the Blood on the Snow Film Festival. Yes. So I kind of like needed to keep up on everything. Yeah, totally. But um, yeah, you can follow me there. Um, I'm always posting links to my stuff. Uh, I like I regularly review films and books and stuff like that. Um, primarily for HorrorTalk.com, but I'm I'm around <laughs> everywhere. Yeah, yeah, you definitely are all over the place, but. <laughs> I love reading your reviews. You're such a talented writer. You're amazing. Thank and you. I can't thank you enough. Amazing. Yeah, no, you're so good. Um, but thank you. <laughs> Thanks for always doing this with me. You know what I mean? It's uh, it's always fun to do this podcast with you. You know, I love uh, I love doing it with you. It's great. And hopefully, um, yeah, hopefully we'll meet someday. You know, it'll be kind of cool. Yeah, for can... sure. Yeah, I will. I want to go to Jersey pretty badly. So one day. Yeah, you should come down. Come to New York and stuff, and we can hang out and do some fun stuff. You know, it'll be cool. Yeah. We could actually yeah, do a, do a podcast in the podcast room here you know because i'm always Fuck like yeah. doing it by myself and i'm like this is so lonely it's so cool in here. It's so cool in here no one's ever in here <laughs> yeah it is fucking cool i've seen photos <laughs> yeah no it's fun it's really cool um but yeah you can uh anyone definitely subscribe to us on itunes alone in the dark podcast um and also if anyone could give us a review on itunes would be great because that kind of helps move us up the ranks when people search search for a horror podcast we sort of get like buried you know what i mean but the more reviews you have um good or bad it actually helps you kind of move up the ranks when someone searches like horror podcast will kind of pop up towards the top so um please write us a review and um even email us if anybody has suggestions for podcasts in the future that would be great. You can email us at alone in the dark podcast at yahoo.com. Um, and then on Instagram, we're alone in the dark podcast. I'm also on there as Mike Boylan. If you want to search for my personal page, it's not as exciting. I'm actually more on the alone in the dark podcast, Instagram than I am on my own personal one. Um, <laughs> and also it, please, if you could go to Facebook and, and search for pennant films and please like our page. Um, I'm really excited to share as with as many people as I can, uh, my new short film called the radio. So, um, I think you guys will like it, even though it's not really horror, it's definitely got, a little bit of a supernatural kind of vibe to it. So that would be appreciative. That would be really cool. So awesome. Well, Rochelle, this has been fun and, uh, yeah, we will, uh, we will talk to you guys soon. Okay. Take care. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Good evening. This is cursed. Death has come to your little town, Sheriff. It's Miller time. Why do you want to know my name? I want to know who I'm looking at.